It is our great honor to be able to release some young powerhouse up-and-coming leaders to be able to share the Word of God with us. And we're continuing our worship time by going to the Word of God this morning. And so um, without any further ado, again, I just wanted to, for those of you who just kind of straggled in, you're like, who are all these people? Um, This is Motion College. They're from Kamloops, B.C. Uh, We've been able to form an amazing relationship with them uh, over the past three years. In fact, they've been here now. This is their third year being here. And so as that happens, the more that you get to know somebody, how many know that you start to get to know them well enough that you feel really comfortable around them? And and this is like family. When they come down, it's it's just like family being here. Uh, We love having you guys here, Carly. Thank you so much. And we've gotten to know a lot of you throughout the years, but this year we have the opportunity to hear from two new students, and I'm so excited, you guys. And can can we just just reach out our hands to them this morning? We're just going to pray for them. Lord, we just pray a release and anointing upon them, Lord God. We just pray that they'd have so much fun sharing your word this morning. In Jesus' name, we release them, and Lord, we just pray that you'd give them the words to say. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So without any further ado, I want to introduce Dax, who's going to be sharing the word. And that's going to be followed up by Tegan. Come on. Woo. Well, good morning, Life Church. I got to quickly set this up. But it's an honor to preach here today. Okay, my name is Dax. I'm actually from Ontario, and I moved here to go to this college program, which has been a total blast ever since I've been here. I'm from Leamington, which not a lot of people know about. It's the most southern point of Canadian mainland, and it's, it's way down there. We have short winters. So Kamloops was crazy. Um, <laughs> but, and also there's mountains everywhere. That's like a huge bonus. Yeah, well, before moving to BC, I needed to get a summer job, obviously, pay off the bills of moving and all that. So I worked at a Christian thrift store all summer. It's 100% nonprofit, and it was a total joy working there. And while I worked there, I had a lot of different kinds of jobs to do. So can we pull up the one picture? One of my jobs is... I go around the store, I grab items, I'm like, this looks cool, this looks cool. And then I make these towers of theme decorations. So this is my silver one I made, and then there's another one too, I think. Yeah, this is the red and white. It was so fun, guys. It was crazy. Yeah, I loved it. It was, it was great. So my friend Braden also worked in the summer, but there's a big difference. He worked in construction, which can be, but isn't the most holy place, you know, is there any construction workers here today, though? Any at all? Okay, well, if you're here, keep up with the hard work. <laughs> I want to ask you guys a question. What do you think the most important component is of a house or building? You see, people say, like, the walls are important for keeping the temperatures inside cool and warm, depending on the season. And the roof is important for protecting from sunlight, rainfall, snow. You got the columns and beams transferring the weight horizontally and vertically. But... Most say that the foundation is the most important component of a house or building. Which leads me into my message for today. Faith that can act as a foundation for your life. So what is a foundation of faith? Well, to start off, what's a foundation? It's a really important piece of a house. It's at the bottom, and it supports what's above it uniformly. It's a level building surface, and it's resistant to weather, like floods, earthquake, mold, stuff like that. And how does this apply to us? Well, it's a faith that can support our lives uniformly, and we can build up from it. It's a level surface, and it can prevent damage from the storms that naturally come in all of our lives. And faith is defined in Hebrews 11.1. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and insurance about what we do not see. 
This is what the ancients were commended for. Faith is both confidence and assurance. It's a pinnacle part of our faith. It has to be strong. So there's some biblical examples of faith in Hebrews 11, also known as the Hall of Faith. And one example is Abraham. Abraham was a man who had a promise from God that through him would come a great nation. But there's a huge roadblock, and that's that his wife Sarah was not able to conceive a child basically her whole life, but God did a miracle, and he provided them Isaac, who was their son. So then God tested them through this. It says in Hebrews 11, 17 to 18, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Well, how Abraham demonstrated his faith was his willingness to God. You see, even though it seems so contradictory, like, God, you want me to sacrifice my son, but you promised that through him would come a nation, he still was willing to do it. So he brought Isaac up to a mountain, tied him up, and right before sacrificing him, an angel came and stopped him, and God provided a ram. Such a miracle. Another example of faith is uh, when the author writes about many others in the Old Testament. So Hebrews 11, 11 <laughs> 32 to 34 says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. All these are things that a foundation of faith can do. That is a huge list, and that's what God wants for us. But how do you lay the strong foundation? Well, the quick answer is we lay our foundation by living for Christ. We serve him, pray to him, connect with others, desire wisdom, and allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us which is a fancy word of the process of becoming more Christ-like through the Holy Spirit. One verse says in Colossians 2, 6 to 7, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. We need to continue to live our lives in him, rooted and built up in him. This doesn't just say, oh, sometimes live your lives in him. It says continue to live your lives in him. There's some fundamentals to this idea. So I'm going to cover some keys to laying the foundation. For starters, there's patience. Laying the foundation requires patience. While building a house, it takes about 28 to 60 days for the foundation to fully solidify and cure. And you can build on it half cured, but you should not rush the process. One verse that talks about patience is Galatians 6, 8 to 9. It says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The important part of this is do not become weary in doing good, and if we do not give up. Because it is a process, and you won't see the progress instantly. You see, when things are rushed, Smaller disasters have greater impact. And when things are rushed, we can lose steam or just give up entirely. A strong faith cannot be rushed. (laughs) 
Many people face doubts in their life. This is evidence that it requires time. And these doubts can cause our foundation to shake. One verse that covers this, James 1.6 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. So sometimes you'll feel put back in the process. Storms will come, and they will cause delays, just like in real life construction. But delays are never meant to be permanent. So I have a story to talk about this. Last November, I broke my leg in Kamloops. So I was hiking with a friend, and we decided to race each other down this hill. It was way too steep to consider running down, guys. It was crazy. And on my way down, I got caught, fell backwards, and I'm like, something is wrong. This is not good. <laughs> so Seth, who's in the crowd, Seth, please stand up for a second. He gave me a five-minute piggyback ride in this uncharted valley. Everyone's like, how do you get out? You didn't have a, like a helicopter? No, piggyback ride. <laughs> it was incredible. I don't think I've ever seen a feat of strength like that. So we went to the hospital. They're like, yeah, you broke your fibula. And this is kind of weird, but at first I was like, okay. I kind of thought I'd break a bone for a long time in my life. So I was like, sweet. A story and an injury. Like, I got tons of those already. Why not a broken bone? <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> after reality started to hit me, my life was not the same, and the simple things became challenging. Like, putting on socks? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> How? <laughs> Along with this, there was news that my bone was shifting over. We can pull up the x-rays if they're on here. So there's the one crack behind the big bone, the tibia, and then there's another one from the front, which is like, it's tiny, but it was there. And um, <laughs> I had the news. They're like, the bone's slightly shifting over. So if it keeps on getting worse and worse, you're going to need ankle surgery. That was pretty scary. I did not want surgery. We prayed about it consistently. I had to wait a while for the news. But praise God, I did not need the surgery, which is incredible. I did not need it. And the doctor was pretty impressed. He's like, you didn't need it? That's crazy. So I could have been held back by this. I had, like, the fun Christmas surprise of, hey, your son's home. He has a broken leg. <laughs> but I knew I could keep pushing forward and stay positive through it. Because God had things for me through that horrible circumstance. Going in Bible college and trying to serve everywhere you can, and then, boom, you have a broken leg. It's a huge change, and I was like, how am I going to serve him through this? But he provided ways I could serve on tech teams, behind the scenes, stuff like that, and I was really happy to help out. Well, my point with this is, delays come, but they're not meant to be permanent, all right? God has plans for you too, even when the delays come. So if you're in a delay right now, don't sell yourself out. Don't box yourself in. He still has plans for you. Maybe it's time to continue building your foundation. The second key to this is effort. There are a lot of places where people say, what you put into it is what you get out of it. I was told this the first week of going to Bible college, so <laughs> heard it there. <laughs> and the same can be said about laying a foundation of faith. We can always sit there waiting for the concrete to pour and dry. Is it going to turn out good? No. We need to level the concrete. You can't just watch things happen like that. You have to put the effort in. And one verse that talks about this is in 2 Peter 1.5. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge, and it continues on. So how do we put the effort in? Well, it can be put in through a lot of different things. One example is prayer, which might sound cliche, but it works. 
it's our way to connect with God. It isn't just like a genie in a bottle or like a one-way line, like, God, I really hope I don't have to get this ankle surgery. No, we can connect with him through it. He's ready to listen to you anytime you want. So why not connect with them? It's hard to trust someone that you don't know well. So connect with God, get to know him, and you can put that faith in him. Another way we can do this is the Bible. It helps us understand God's character. And once we know his character, we can know what's about him and how it's true. Because relationship leads to trust, which leads to faith. So together, these two things build a foundation of faith. But what do we do when the foundation is laid? Well, we can believe for miracles. Having faith can lead to miracles. First, that covers this. Matthew 7, 8 says, For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Our faith is so important for us to pray effectively and be a Christian effectively. With our faith being steadfast, we can confidently ask and believe for miracles. And when the miracles come, they boost our faith. So it's a continuous cycle. And why not ask some of the elders here today about miracles they've seen in their life? They still happen today, and I'm sure they have crazy testimonies for you. So go ask. The second thing we can do is continue building. James points out that we need to continue building after a foundation is laid. He writes in James 2, 14 to 17, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Think about this. What is a foundation for? It's to build on. The whole purpose of a foundation is to build on it. So keep yourself building up and up and up. One more thing you can do with the foundation is withstand trials. We can consider trials pure joy with a strong faith. James 1, 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The disasters that used to set us back in our life can now make us mature and complete, not lacking anything. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. Trials are good for our faith the same way working out is good for our body. Though sometimes painful, working out is good because after our muscles tear, what happens? They're rebuilt even stronger. And our faith is the same way. The more pushed we are, the stronger we become as Christians. My friend Tegan will be covering this idea even more after me. But to close... I want to remind you of some things. Number one, faith is a key part of being Christian. As Christians, we should strive for a foundational faith for a walk with Christ. Secondly, we can create a foundation of faith through patience and effort using prayer in the Bible and many more ways too. And lastly, with faith at our foundation, we are well equipped to see miracles and pray for them, continue building, and withstand trials. What do you want to support your life on? Do you want to support it on your money, your status, your lifestyle? Or do you want to support it on your faith in Christ and God? Because he is waiting for you, and he would love to start reconstructing your life. I encourage everyone here 
to continue building your foundation of faith. None of us are perfect. I've got many more years ahead of me still. But I'm thankful that God is by our sides. I'm going to pray for you guys. Dear God, thank you that you're walking alongside us, building this foundation. I pray that as we all get our foundations ready, we can build up our lives in you, and we will be so firm in you that the storms will not shake us. And all these things, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to pass it off to Tegan. But thanks again. It was a joy to preach here. That's going to be a little tough for me to follow, but it's okay. Anyways, hi, guys. My name's Tegan. A little bit about me. I'm a first-year Motion College student as well. I'm from Alberta, and most of my family's in Alberta right now, and I know they're watching the live stream. So hi, Mom. Hi, Brody. But anyways, today my title is going to be Turning Your Mess into a Message, and I'm going to be speaking on faith and adversity. So commonly in today's churches, we really focus on the blessings. We highlight all of the things that are going good when we are just doing so much amazing things. Our praise is such an important part, and while this is so good, it's hard to see that praise as frequently in the struggle when we're not receiving those blessings, when things don't seem to be making sense, when our faith is being tested. It's easy to see how this happens. It's much easier to be positive on the mountains than it is in the valleys. For many of us, including myself, I find it very hot hard to stay positive in those trials. One way that I've had to use a lot is by having an attitude of defiant adoration. When I first heard this term, I wasn't really sure what it meant, but what it means is adoration is not always the overflow of our hearts. In fact, it rarely is. It is an act of rebellion against the empty promises of this world and defiance in the faces of circumstances. That's a quote that I pulled from a book that I'm actually reading in school right now called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools by Tyler Staten and I all recommend you read it, it's amazing so far. But for this term, just being able to apply it into our everyday situations, instead of praising God out of obedience, it shifts our mindsets to the idea of fighting against the enemy, fighting against the worldly things, the things that are breaking us. Our praise is not only an act of love towards God, but it is also a weapon against the enemy that we are given. Romans 8:31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Which leads me into my first point, which is authority. When it's time to handle these things that weigh us down, it is so, so important to remember that we have the authority through Christ. Luke 10:19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. With this authority, we have been told that we will overcome the power of the enemy. In our lives, these attacks that we face do not stand a chance because we have God on our side. Each one of us both have the ability and the authority to fight against the enemy and these worldly things. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow in his steps. This gives us another way to look at the suffering. This verse explains how, yes, we are going to suffer. Hard things are going to happen to us. We're going to go through trials. We're going to face hardships. But the only difference is we are told to hold steadfast. For each of us are called. We are called to spread the good news, and we have permission to do so. This is God's plan for us. He had told us, go out and fight against the enemy. Go out and spread my word. So who are we to not do that? The Lord put his son on the earth to go through suffering. Jesus suffered far worse than any of us ever will. 
The difference is he left us a playbook. He left us this manual, the Bible, to show us how we can endure it and live righteous lives just as Jesus did. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave us or forsake us. At the end of the day, the only thing that separates us from these trials is we don't have to do it alone. I see this again in Acts 13.52. This is the first city that drove out the disciples in an angry mob. It says in that verse that then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas had been in the city spreading the gospel and just trying to create more followers, and they had run them out of town, this mob had. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Idacum. And the disciples were continuously filled throughout their hearts and souls with the joy of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit after being ran out of town by this angry mob. In the midst of all these problems, they were still happy. Despite their situation, their hearts were joyful, their souls were joyful because of the Holy Spirit's powerful presence that it had in their lives. This means that challenges can come against us, try to hurt us, damage us, go against us in all ways, and we can walk out of it full of joy, knowing that the presence dwells within us. This again reminds me of that Romans 8 verse, if God is for us, who can be against us? My second point is going to be purpose. How can we understand the reason for this hurt when the trials come? If God loves us so much, how does he let us suffer? It all comes down to an abundance of love, not an absence. We experience the most mental and spiritual growth in times of trials. In the same way God turns our messes into messages, he can also turn our trials into testimonies. For me, the start of my testimony was on a Monday morning in September 2015. After a long, courageous battle with cancer, my father had passed away. I was nine at the time, so my grieving process looked a little different than my parents or the rest of my families. Throughout his sickness, I always believed that a miracle was gonna happen. I didn't understand what happened when that miracle didn't come. I was told in Sunday school that God was all-powerful, all-knowing, that he could do anything he wanted. So why did he had let this happen? Why did he put this pain on my heart and the family? It took me a while to trust God again, and it definitely hardened part of my heart towards that for a little while, not understanding how this could have been his plan. A big step for me was letting go of the why. Why did this happen? Why didn't it go a different way? Why wasn't there that miracle we were looking for? Releasing that hurt and allowing it to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit helped me find peace in my grief, allowing myself to be weak because he was strong for me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10 says, Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, hardships, persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is one of my favorite verses, like, ever. Just knowing that, for when I am weak, then he is strong for me. These situations are the ultimate test of our faith. We're quick to praise him on the mountains, but can we do the same in the lowest valleys? The life of Job is also an example of this. Job thrived, and he praised the Lord, and he praised him the exact same when he was falling apart. Although the situation was unstable, although he was getting tossed into all of these circumstances, he praised him constantly. That was his foundation. If God led you in it, he's going to lead you through it and bring you out of it. I'm going to say that again. If he led me in it, 
He's going to lead me through it and bring me out of it. We can rest assured that his plan is good. He will do everything on his timing. We always hear the term God's timing, not ours. And while this is true, the waiting season can be the hardest part. What do we do in the in-between? My third point is going to be patience. How can we possibly have expectant hearts in the midst of our storms? Sarah and Abraham waited until she was nearly 90 years old before they conceived a child. Kind of like how Dax was saying about Sarah and Abraham. God had promised them this son, and they had faith to know that he was going to pull through. In the same way, Moses waited 40 years in the desert before God led him up to lead Israel out of Egypt. These are only two of the many times where God made people wait. 1 Corinthians 13.7 says, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So love never gives up, is always faithful, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. So if love never gives up, and God is love, where we see in 1 John 4.7, the patience we exhibit towards God and his plan for us is an expression of his love for us. In the same way, God makes us wait as an expression of our love for him. 2 Corinthians 4.6 says, In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships, calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, and by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. I love that God does not promise that we're going to have easy lives. Never does he say it's going to be perfect for us. He says, yes, you are going to face trials. The enemy is going to come against you. Things are going to be difficult. But these hardships are not without a purpose. The plans that the Lord has for us are far better than we could ever imagine. All that we can do is trust that his word is true and that his grace is enough. Through our relationship with God, we are given authority, we are given a purpose, and we gain patience through our faith. If you're in a season of adversity right now, I really want to challenge you to lean further into your relationship with God. It's so important to stand firm in that waiting, stand firm in that time of just not knowing everything, knowing that we don't need to have the answers. And if there's anyone here today who has these same struggles, is going through these hardships, and might not yet have that relationship with the Lord, or maybe you've even just fallen away a little bit, I just want to give you an opportunity to step out in faith a little bit today. So I'm going to ask you all to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you feel comfortable in a minute, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you specifically. I'm not going to call you out or make you stand up or anything silly like that. I just want to be able to have you in my mind when I do this prayer. So now I'm going to ask... If we could all repeat this prayer and help those who are deciding to walk out in faith today. Dear God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I want to make you the king of my life. Help me to live every day according to your plan. And help me to keep you at the center. Thank you for your grace and overflowing love for me. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Anyways, I just wanted to thank you all for this opportunity to come here today. I am so grateful, as long as the rest of Motion College, to be able to come speak today. It's been such a blessing. And I've really loved just the opportunity. This was my first time preaching, so I'm pretty excited.
<laughs> but anyways, if anyone had questions at all about our program or even about just anything in general, myself, Dax, and the rest of us would all love to answer your questions. Thank you so much, Life Church, for this opportunity. I hope to meet you all after the service. Thank you. <laughs>